and a very good day. This is Pastor Mark Whelan with Touch of God. And starting off today, we're going to be reading out of Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 to 20. And this is from the letter of the Apostle Paul to the church at Ephesus. And I thought it would be important for us to know these verses and even personalize them for ourselves before we read the Word of God each time. And so if we read from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 to 20, verse 17, this is out of the Amplified Classic Edition of the Bible. For I always pray to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation of insight into mysteries and secrets in the deep and intimate knowledge of him, by having the eyes of your heart flooded with light, so that you can know and understand the hope to which he has called you, and how rich is his glorious inheritance in the saints, his set-apart ones. Verse 19, And so that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power in and for us who believe, as demonstrated in the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Now let's go back to verse 17 and 18 here, because it's important that you see that the prayer to the Lord is asking for a spirit of wisdom and revelation of insight into mysteries and secrets in the deep and intimate knowledge of him. And we're going to come to that reference in a moment in John chapter 17, verse 3. But verse 18 continues by having the eyes of your heart flooded with light so that you can know and understand the hope to which he has called you. So if your heart has to be flooded with light, that means that it doesn't have enough light in the first place. And so your heart may be in partial darkness. It may still be in a lack of understanding about the Lord. Maybe you have misunderstandings about his word and not know the truth, not know some key truths. So you need the eyes of your heart flooded with light so that you can know and understand the hope to which he has called you and how rich is his glorious inheritance in the saints, his set-apart ones. Whenever you read the word of God, and you don't have to make this a legalistic thing, you can do it now and again, you can do it every time, you can personalize that passage for yourself so that instead of me praying it over you, you're praying it over yourself. Now, as I said, John chapter 17, verse 3, it's Jesus speaking to his father, And he said, and this is eternal life. So he's about to explain what eternal life is. And Jesus says, it means to know, to perceive, recognize, become acquainted with, and understand you, the only true and real God, and likewise to know him, Jesus, as the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, whom you have sent. So Jesus is saying to the Father that eternal life is to know the Father and to know Jesus himself. And we just were reading out of Ephesians chapter 1 that it is a prayer to ask the Lord for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the deep and intimate knowledge of him. So it's all about knowing him. It's about knowing the Father, knowing the Son. So what I wanted to go through today on the program is a focus on the book of 1 John, in particularly the first couple of chapters, and we'll see how far we get today. But 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 
says, We are writing about the word of life in him who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard, whom we have seen with our own eyes, whom we have gazed upon for ourselves and have touched with our own hands. Now, this is obviously John writing about his experience being around Jesus for those three years of his ministry on the earth. Jesus being the word of life. Because remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So John here is saying, we are writing about the word of life in him who existed from the beginning. John also explains that Jesus is the word. So Jesus is the word of life in him who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard, whom we have seen with our own eyes, whom we have gazed upon for ourselves and have touched with our own hands. One day we will be able to gaze upon and touch Jesus with our own hands. What a thought, but what an amazing experience John and the other apostles had during those three years. They actually walked the earth with the Lord. Verse 2, and the life, capital L, so talking about Jesus, and the life, an aspect of his being, was revealed made manifest and demonstrated, and we saw as eyewitnesses and are testifying to and declare to you the life, the eternal life in him who already existed with the Father and who actually was made visible, was revealed to us his followers. So John's just opening up here and he's declaring the fact that they are testifying and declaring to the reader that they have witnessed Jesus, Jesus who already existed from the beginning with the Father, and Jesus was actually made visible, was revealed to them. Verse 3, what we have seen and ourselves heard, we are also telling you so that you too may realize and enjoy fellowship as partners and partakers with us. So, John is not wanting to keep this news to himself. He wants to make sure that we all realize and enjoy fellowship as partners and partakers with them. And it continues, And this fellowship that we have, which is a distinguishing mark of Christians, is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. So, the fellowship, you might think of fellowship with each other, Of course, we do have fellowship with other Christians, brothers and sisters in in the body of Christ, but this particular fellowship is very specific, and it is with the Father and with the Son. So again, it's about knowing Jesus and knowing the Father by way of the Holy Spirit teaching us all truth, leading us into truth. Verse 4, And we are now writing these things to you, so that our joy in seeing you included may be full and your joy may be complete. And this is the message, the message of promise, which we have heard from him and now are reporting to you. Now, what John is about to say is the message of the promise which they, John and the other followers, have heard directly from Jesus, which is God is light and there is no darkness in him at all, No, not in any way. So Jesus must have told his followers, My Father is light. There is no darkness in him. And we bless you, Father, today 
of being full of light and without any shadow, without any darkness at all. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your righteousness, your mercy, and your grace, your love for the very people listening to this today and all of your creation across the earth. We love you for who you are, Father. You are good, and you are so worthy to be glorified. Verse 6, So if we say we are partakers together and enjoy fellowship with him, when we live and move and are walking about in darkness, we are both speaking falsely and do not live and practice the truth which the gospel presents. Now, this is saying that if you confess that you are enjoying fellowship with the Father and the Son, but yet you have one foot in the darkness in habitual sin, doing something that's sinful in a habitual manner. What this verse is saying is that we are speaking falsely and do not live and practice the truth which the gospel presents. Meaning, if we are speaking falsely, that means we're lying. We're lying to the Lord. We're lying to the Holy Spirit. We're lying to our own selves. It's foolish. Verse 7, but if we really are living and walking in the light, if we are walking in him as he himself is in the light, we have true unbroken fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses, removes us from all sin and guilt, keeps us cleansed from sin in all its forms and manifestations. Verse 7, but if we really are living and walking in the light. Now, Jesus had told his followers that in God there was no darkness, that he was full of light. That's the Father. Jesus is in the Father, so Jesus is the light too. But we get to have the ability to live and walk in the light as well, because if we become born again, we become adopted as sons, as children of God, sons and daughters of God, and we are removed from the powers of darkness by the Father, through his Son Jesus, through Christ, and now we're in Jesus' kingdom, the kingdom of the Father's beloved Son, which is Jesus. So we're now in him, which means now we are in the light. That is why Jesus was able to say to his disciples, let your light so shine upon men. Jesus is in us, we're in him, he's in the Father, the Father's in him, the Father's in us, we are all in Christ. Now, the goal for us is that there should not be any darkness in us. There is no darkness in Jesus. There's no darkness in the Father. There's no darkness in the Holy Spirit. But is there any darkness remaining in us? That's the question. But if we really are living and walking in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have true unbroken fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses, removes us from all sin and guilt, keeps us cleansed from sin, in all its forms and manifestations. Wouldn't you want to be removed from all sin and guilt today if you have either of those two things? Wouldn't you want to be cleansed? All you have to do is abide in Jesus, seek him with all your heart, read his word, seek him in the secret place. If you slip and you fall back into sin, Immediately, as soon as you committed that sin, do not dwell on it. Immediately ask the Lord for forgiveness. And First John chapter 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And we're about to read that in a couple of verses from now. Verse 8, though, the verse before it says, If we say we have no sin, 
refusing to admit that we are sinners, we delude and lead ourselves astray, and the truth which the gospel presents is not in us, does not dwell in our hearts. So here, we cannot say that we have no sin, that we are not sinning, because obviously the writer here, John, is showing us from teaching from Jesus that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. So we have all been in sin. We have hearts that are continually wicked, according to the word of God. So we should not lean on saying, I am not sinned, I am not a sinner, but that when we commit it, we are cleansed because we confess it before the Lord and we are daily checking ourselves. As the word says that we're supposed to do, we're supposed to check ourselves, check our faith, test ourselves, and ask the Holy Spirit if there's anything we need to confess in the way of sin or any other concerns that we have, any issues that we have, we want to ask the Lord for help with. So if we say we have no sin, verse 8, refusing to admit that we are sinners, we delude and lead ourselves astray. We need to be confessing what we know that we need to give to the Lord. We don't want to be deluding and leading ourselves astray. And we want the truth to be in us. This truth continues to keep us cleansed and keep us from sin in all its forms and manifestations, according to verse 7. And of course, verse 9, as we were talking earlier, if we freely admit that we have sinned and confess our sins, he is faithful and just, true to his own nature and promises, and will forgive our sins, dismiss our lawlessness, and continuously cleanse us from all unrighteousness, everything not in conformity to his will in purpose, thought, and action. So this is a key verse. If we ever slip, backslide, if we commit a sin, if we do something, if we say something that we regret, it isn't in love, it isn't truth, just immediately go before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I'm sorry for doing what I did. Please cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I shouldn't have done that. He will instantly forgive you and cleanse you in your conscience of all sin and guilt and unrighteousness. Verse 10, if we say, claim, we have not sinned, we contradict his word and make him out to be false and a liar, and his word is not in us, the divine message of the gospel is not in our hearts. We don't want to be calling God a liar. We don't want to contradict his word. This is not about a competition to see if we can get through life without ever making a mistake, without ever sinning. That's a spirit of perfection. If you have that and you want to give it up, say, Lord, I renounce the spirit of perfection. I cannot continue to strive to be perfect because, Lord, I'm only perfect in you. I cannot be perfect under my own strength. So, Lord, I have sinned. Please forgive me of my sins. And please continue to help me every day to stay away from sin in all its ways. First John chapter 2, verse 1 says, My little children, I write you these things so that you may not violate God's law and sin. But if anyone should sin, we have an advocate, one who will intercede for us with the Father. It is Jesus Christ, the all-righteous, upright, just, who conforms to the Father's will in every purpose, thought, and action. And he, that same Jesus himself, is the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not for ours alone, but also for the sins of the whole world. Verse 3, 
And this is how we may discern daily by experience that we are coming to know Him, to perceive, recognize, understand, and become better acquainted with Him. If we keep, bear in mind, observe, practice His teachings, His precepts and commandments. So again, this is how we may discern daily by experience that we are coming to know Him. And the answer is, to keep his teachings, his precepts, and his commandments. Now, we know that his commandments, the two great commandments, are in Mark chapter 12, verse 28 to 31. And, of course, the first one is to love the Lord thy God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one is to love your neighbor as thyself. In other words, treat your neighbor the same as how you would want to be treated by them. We need to love the Lord. We need to love our neighbor but we need to also keep Jesus' other commandments that are the Great Commission, which is to preach the gospel, to tell people about Jesus, to move in signs and wonders, which is laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover, casting out demons, raising the dead, moving in the power of God, to show people that do not yet believe a sign so that they will visibly see God's manifestation of his goodness. These would be examples of keeping Jesus' commandments. Verse 4, Whoever says, I know him, I perceive, recognize, understand, and am acquainted with him, but fails to keep and obey his commandments, his teachings, is a liar, and the truth of the gospel is not in him. So someone could say, I know Jesus, I know the Lord, but if they are not obeying and keeping his commandments, in doing what he said they need to do, they are a liar, and the truth is not in him. So the truth is in someone who knows the Lord and keeps and obeys the Lord's commandments and teachings. That means that if we are not yet obeying his commandments, we obviously haven't come to a full acknowledgement and revelation of the truth. So we need to increase the time in the Word, increase the time with the Lord, in prayer, in the secret place, and just being obedient to His commandments, His calling on your life, which is to subdue the earth, to speak the Lord's Word over situations, to pray for people in need, to give unto others that are in need, just mimic Jesus' principles as he walked about on the earth, helping others that needed help, setting them free. You yourself are not setting someone free. You're believing that Jesus came through you, and they will be, if you believe and do not doubt in your heart. Use the faith that God has given you to believe that God wants to flow through you and shall flow through you, shall set that person apart, but the Holy Spirit will give you the words to speak to them. Verse 5. But he who keeps treasures his word, who bears in mind his precepts, Jesus' precepts, who observes his message in its entirety, truly in him has the love of and for God been perfected, completed, and reached maturity. By this we may perceive, know, recognize, and be sure that we are in him. Verse 6, whoever says he abides in him, ought as a personal debt to walk and conduct himself in the same way which he walked and conducted himself. Which is similar to what we were just saying. We have a personal debt. If we say we abide in Jesus, 
if we claim to know him, we ought to really walk as Jesus walked upon the earth, doing what he told his disciples to tell everybody else that they met, according to the end of Matthew 28, teaching the gospel to people, telling people about Jesus, speaking freedom, setting the captives free in the name of Jesus. So today, there is a cause of reflection on the book of First John chapter 1 and chapter 2. Read through those slowly and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal any area of your life or your heart that you need to attend to, to line that area of your life up with the Lord. If there is sin going on, then cease it immediately. Go to the Lord, confess those sins, and he will cleanse you of all unrighteousness in your conscience and forgive you of those sins because of the blood he shed. You immediately pick up and carry on where you were before. Seek him. Do not have a sense of guilt now. Do not think that you're still guilty because he cleansed you of all unrighteousness. You're no longer guilty. So now carry on because you have work to do in the kingdom. You have work to do on the earth. And God does not want you wallowing in self-pity and trying to pay penance because you never be able to pay for your own sin. It's not possible. So contemplate, meditate on the book of First John chapter 1 and chapter 2 and have some intimate time with the Lord and see what the Holy Spirit shows you. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for these precious souls listening today, that they seek to do your will. They seek to have time with you. They seek to obey your commandments. They seek to not lie, but admit that we all sin and that you are the advocate with the Father. Lord, your blood washes away our sins when we confess them, and you cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We thank you, Lord, for helping us understand the truth that is in us, that when we say we know you, that we need to make sure that we keep and obey your commandments according to verse 4 of 1 John chapter 2. Lord, thank you for your Holy Spirit guiding us so that we can obey these commandments, that we may take opportunities in the streets, in the markets, in our place of employment to pray for people, to do your will, to be led by your Spirit to do these things, but also to have intimate time with you in a secret place, alone, in our homes, in our cars, in a quiet place where we can get to know you even more intimately and deeply. I thank you, Lord, today for touching these precious souls with your power, with your healing resurrection power, delivering them of all sickness and disease that they may have. Lord, I thank you today. I command all pain to leave them. I command any cancer to leave them if they should have it. I command any misalignment in their bones to be aligned in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. The glaucoma is gone today in their eyes. Their eyes are clean. Lord, I thank you for any migraines being gone, for both legs being the same length, and for their organs being renewed, for their brain being healthy, that they will read your word, become renewed to your truth in their mind, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and no longer be conformed to this world. They will be transformed as they read your word, because you are the word of life. And we bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to partner with us, our website is tog.world, touchofgod.world. You can also send a prayer request there, and you can call us as well at country code 1-407-705-3155.
one. And until next week, you have a blessed week. Amen.